Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. And uh, we got a guest today. This is, uh, we haven't really given him a, like, a proper nickname yet, but we'll stick with the one that we gave him uh, at the start, because his World of Warcraft uh, sign-on is the Expeditionary Hipster. So I think Hipster will go uh, off. I got I, I I, I got it. I got it. You got I it? Okay. The, I dubbed the bitters. Bitters. All right. Sounds good. Bitters. I like it. <laughs> okay. Why bitters? Well, all the Scottish guys that I know are very bitter. And it's also a drink. Uh, the thing you add to your drink to uh, improve its flavor. So... <laughs> Since he's here to improve our conversation, I would I dubbed him Bitters. Fair enough. Just so you know, he isn't and, actually Scottish, although he does play the bagpipes, we're told. That, that is correct. I do play the bagpipes. <laughs> but I, I will say that uh, Bitters does suit my personality, so I'll, I'll take it and uh, embrace that one. Sounds good. I like it. like it. Um, okay, so uh, Whiskey, a mutual friend of ours there, um, I want to prop this guy up. I can't say his name, but uh, he's uh, he is an um, he's a hilarious person. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met, and he's always got these Facebook posts up. And the one post that he put up recently, I thought was hilarious. He says, "Today I farted in an aisle at Food Basics, and some lady said you're gross." And I said, "Well, you're too close, and your mask doesn't work." I thought that was so funny. Oh my god. Shout out to that guy. He knows who he is if he's a listener. <laughs> I'm one of our 44 listeners. <laughs> I was standing in. I was. Did I tell you? Guys, I can't remember if I told you. I was standing in line at the Costco, and you know everybody's got their mask on and their little in the little you know canalizing ground that they have for to get the shark the the carts in line so they can count people as they go in. And this, you you know the. When you're on the airplane, you have the little eye covers to, to so you could sleep to block with the light. Anyways, yeah. she had hers had her pull down two inches lower to cover her, her mouth, but her nose was wide open. <laughs> oh God! Like, I saw something about that with the it was like an American. I think somebody was, yeah, they had the they had like an N95 mask, but they it was a video taken from a cash register. And this lady who is, uh, you know, she's a shopper, comes to the cash register and she's got this N95 mask on, but it's got a gaping hole in it. And uh, the guy at the cash is like, hey, uh, what? That's, that's a new thing I've seen with the mask before. I've never seen anything like that. He's like, yeah, it really helps me breathe properly. It's <laughs> like, you idiot. <laughs> you defeated the whole purpose of that fucking thing. Ridiculous. Well, that's what happens when you buy cheap, cheap masks, right? And then... Uh, like I went to Costco again another day to get my uh, tires, what uh, summer tires put on, and the attendant had the mask pulled down below his nose. Jesus. <laughs> Do they? Okay, so they're making people wear masks at Costco now, eh? Everywhere, even Uber is making people wear masks. Bitters, you don't strike me as the type of person who shops at Costco. No, I. Uh... I, I understand the philosophy behind it. It makes a lot of sense. I just can't be bothered with all the uh, 
I, I don't want to use an offensive term, but the uh, the lineups of Karens in and out of Costco. So oh, I, uh, that makes I'll sense. St- and as as any as any good uh, hipster, I like to stick to my my local uh, more expensive and far more uh, inconvenient uh, small grocery shops. And then you like to rub it in. The, do you, do you eat avocado toast as like a staple? Is that is that how? You... Did do you not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty much avocado on everything at this point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With all that all right. fat, how do you fit in the skinny jeans? <laughs> well, that's that that that's a question for the ages. I wouldn't say I fit, but if you can, if you can, if you envision squeezing the bottom of a sausage casing, you know that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what it looks like. Well, whiskey knows all about sausage stuffing. <laughs> that's perverted, man. That's perverted. <laughs> so just a little context there, Bitters. Uh, whiskey was bragging about his sausage stuffing machine. He actually has one. And it was just low-hanging fruit from the last episode we recorded there. We couldn't we couldn't ignore it, but uh, that was funny. Um, okay, so, uh, Bitters, you and I, um, like, I guess we kind of started talking about podcasts in general. Um because uh, it kind of piqued my interest, and I figured, yeah, why not? You're you're an old good friend of mine, and have you on the show? Uh, and who knows, maybe even might bring in a fresh perspective. Although we do have our fill of uh, arrogant uh, egotists on, on this show between uh, between cognac and now yourself, we'll see we'll see how it goes. It might saturate the market. Um, but uh, basically. Um, well, let's just get into it because there's a couple of things that I've been noticing in the news, and we'll call them we'll call them deviants or miscreants, people who are just going around and uh, they're doing stupid shit that they shouldn't be doing, despite the fact that uh, a major pandemic is going on. One in particular, there's a couple that I've taken note of. One in particular was um, there's this couple out in BC, and they were stealing those uh, CERB checks. Those Serb checks. There's two arrested. Uh, it was out in Surrey, and uh, basically, the way I understand the story is that uh, actually, I'll just uh, pop it up here. The RCMP say that they arrested two people after recovering thirty-three thousand dollars worth of government-issued checks that were allegedly stolen from several places in British Columbia's Lower Mainland. The Mounties in Surrey say that checks included Serb benefits. GEST checks and income tax refunds in addition to checks issued by organizations. I guess they tailed these guys with uh, – they had like fake license plates and they, they did a little bit of an investigation. And then once they finally caught them, that's when they found all these checks. And my question is, is how the hell are we going to check – like cash these things? I have no idea. Like how do you cash – like you, don't you have to like endorse it and all that kind of shit? Yeah, but you gotta go. It's probably a, they probably do it through a check cashing place, so you don't need an account with them. So they'll pay a fee or whatever. The check right. goes in, and then they just they they probably had a line at a check cashing place to. Mm. It's like like a fence, you know what I mean? They they had ability to to, to to capitalize on it. Either that, they're just dumb. But in in in, in really desperate people do desperate things, and they. In shape, I it, to me. I think it's. I just shake my head. I'm. I'm like. There's. There. There are people are hurting for money, and you want to extort like small amounts of money out of people. Yeah. 
people laid mm-hmm. off, people losing business, people like who barely make, you know, rent. And all of a sudden you're stealing their money. Like what kind of a fucking coward are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I believe you have to still have to show ID when you're at these check casting places, but you know, I, I would imagine a fake ID. And then if you get it in cash with, after the uh, substantial commission, those places charged, it's, it's probably going to work out for you. But uh I, I somehow can't imagine that somebody at the um, at CRA or whoever else is issuing these out wouldn't notice a whole bunch of checks for different people being cashed at the same money mart or wherever else they're using. Yeah. It is a bit, you know, I, I, checks don't seem like the easiest thing to cash, but I also haven't gotten a check from the government in years because I use online banking, like I imagine most people would. Yeah, this is true. Well, you're 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 a stand-up citizen. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, so that's, that seems to be like one one end of the spectrum. I mean, another one was um, like people, small businesses, and I mean, it's kind of hard to blame them in some cases, but it seems like insurance fires are going to be uh, like they, the, the, there seems to be like a spike in insurance fires in some in some places, like businesses basically lighting up, lighting their own uh like is an insurance fraud lighting their own businesses on fire and then trying to claim the insurance from it. I don't know how common that is. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that. Well, as a previous resident of the great city of Montreal, uh, insurance fires are pretty much just part of the business plan. Once your business starts failing, if you, uh, your friendly neighborhood mafia association uh, decides that your business isn't doing well, your restaurant burns down and two weeks later a new restaurant opens, which I unfortunately experienced a few times when I wanted to try certain restaurants and I went there eventually and they had burned to the ground. So, but, uh, but is that a product want, of organized crime or? Well, it, I, in Montreal, apparently from those I had spoken to, whether they're experts or not, it's a different story, but it sounded like part of it had to do with organized crime. But, um, the, uh, apparently it's not overly difficult to do. Uh, Somebody I know who had their house unfortunately burned down, accidentally, of course. Uh, when speaking to the local fire inspector, he told them that the easiest way to fake a fire, if you can believe it, is to uh, find a dead rat and to cover it in some sort of flammable jelly, like petroleum jelly or whatnot, and shove it in close to an electrical circuit in your wall. So that way when, uh, and then you light your fire near clo- close to it, so when the... Um, when the the fire inspector comes, they'll find the rat carcass, right, the bones beside an electrical uh, connection or electrical wire, and assume that w- and assume that that's what caused the fire. Of course, I'm not advocating that anybody do that. That would be foolish and illegal and immoral. But uh, this came from an actual uh, fire inspector from a major Canadian city. So apparently, it's it's Holy. if not if not common, it's fairly easy to do if you know what you're doing. Holy totally. Shit. If if you guys want some squirrels, I got those too. <laughs> between chasing between drunk chasing coyotes and raccoons <laughs> hey man i got 12 this week i got 12 oh that's good that's good one fire yeah i mean I went, I'm uh, sure they... I went out to shoot a squirrel yesterday night uh it turned out to be a raccoon he didn't like it so much mm. <laughs> i guess a fire would work if you were say a restaurant or a bar with a kitchen where those things can happen. I, I'm not sure how uh, how you would explain your uh, artisanal uh, tea and fine china shop burning down, but 
I'm sure for some people, like, I, and I, um, from what I understand, a lot of these businesses are hurting, and um, especially if landlords aren't aren't willing to give rent relief to these smaller businesses. Um, perhaps in a moment of desperation, that's all they can do. And of course, again, not advocating that we all burn down something we don't want, but. I, I, from a small, you know, thinking of the small business owners, I can almost sympathize with them that they've really got nothing else going on and yeah. being, being closed for so long without the option to reopen with precautions or anything else up until very recently. Yeah. I mean, like these guys are working on, on pretty thin margins. Or well, you think I, about it, but I'm sorry, go ahead, whiskey. There, there's gotta be some smarter things. Like when you run a business, uh, there's thin margins and there's responsible <clears> business. If, if you can't, survive a certain amount of period without uh, a money coming in i don't think your business was that good to begin with and there's 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 management and there's proper management and then there's fiscal responsibility like so there's there's a gamut of things um maybe like we, we see stuff in um in toronto they talk about the uh, the pride corridor or the lgbtq plus uh, corridor where a lot of those organizations that were like you know hu- uh, community hubs they were they were they were, were bars um, and they're closing because they can't meet demand and they're being uh, they're being uh, evicted so but there, there's a balance here like one month two months like there's 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 proper management of things that need to happen and some people just mm-hmm. They need to make sure that their business plan and how they conduct their financial practices allow this to happen, so you can absorb and and be still be pro, uh, profitable. I'm not saying that you need to be, you know, have enough sufficient cash reserves to last the whole a whole pandemic that may or may not dissipate by this uh, by the fall. But there's there's things to be said for liquidity. Well, I think. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead there. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it, <clears throat> one of the, the interesting things that will come out of this will be to see uh, which businesses or which types of businesses are going to be more resilient in the long run. Because, of course, we're coming out of a, a fairly hot economic street, right? Uh, streak, pardon me. You, we've got these opportunities for these very niche uh, stores to open, especially if you're in the more, shall I say, hipster parts of town. You know, how, how exactly how many artisanal uh, olive oil stores you need on one city block and i would say the answer is not three which is the record i've seen but um perhaps out of this we will you know we'll get a better idea of what is actually again a more resilient business and what is perhaps businesses that kind of come and go based on how much disposable income people have in a given area well i'll just add add at one point most (laughs) olive oil coming out of italy is partially counterfeit so (laughs) most what most all big part of olive oil coming out of Italy is counterfeit. Oh. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's that's no that's that's nothing new. That's been going on for years. That's a huge part of the huge part of the mob's business is counterfeit olive oil. I learned really? relatively recently. Yeah, huh? Interesting. But that's that's, a, that's something that like okay, so we've had that we've had this conversation multiple times on the podcast, but I'm willing to have it again. But like. You know, it's it's one thing to say um, that, you know, you got to make sure that you're you're balancing your profit margins and making sure that you're you're managing it smartly. But it's another thing like that balance is actually not it's not exactly easy when you're a small business 
and you have okay it's one thing you know you you're you're selling a product and people and consumers are buying it and that kind of stuff and things are going good and you're able to manage uh, profits and all that kind of stuff but then all of a sudden competition comes along starts looking at what you're producing copying the exact same thing and then all of a sudden they're stealing your your flow of cash essentially and then you have to innovate to stay ahead of them to make sure that they that they end up uh that they end up staying you know beneath you in terms of competition i may not be using the proper words but like that's not easy like to because there's so many external forces that are happening all at the same time when you're trying to run a small business that when a major pandemic comes along like the one we're currently facing i i don't see like i don't see it unreasonable to expect i don't know i don't know exactly how to explain it but i think it's i think it's kind of you're expecting too much of small business owners for them to say to to say you need to do a better job of managing your business to be able to float for like two months or three months or whatever. Right. I think that's, I think that's asking a lot of people. So I said they need to have sufficient liquidity to last that, that a month okay, or two. I didn't you're going to have to explain that for a, yeah. I mean, that's a certain amount of cash, uh, access to a certain amount of money in order to make sure that they're, they're covered. So that bad stuff can happen, um, and it's, it's 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 an industry norm. Like Air Canada had six months worth of cash for, at, before they started. Air Canada had six months worth of cash reserves. Right. So I I and look what's going on with them. Okay. So they just I'm not they just let let off like twenty thousand people, didn't laid off? Yeah. Well, what the symptoms of what they're doing, but the, so you have to separate. Employees are one thing. The business is another. The business is a person. And when you incorporate yourself, you have many of the rights that people do. You have the right to borrow money as a, as a corporation. But it's not tied to an individual. And once you incorporate, you essentially become an individual. You just don't have voting rights for the, the political sphere. But like uh, access to capital, owning things, you essentially have the rights of a person. Hmm. So all I'm saying is that you you got you, you have to manage that piece. And if you realize that the worst time to start looking to borrow money is in the middle of a crisis. Oh, for sure. So which a lot is, of people, which is crazy to me, considering that they've got a small business loan that they're offering during the pandemic, which requires that business owners who take this loan have to pay that money back with interest by 2022. No. That no, seems... No, no, there's no interest. There's no interest. I thought there was interest. No, I got it. So, no, there's okay. no interest. All right. <laughs> and, and you, and there's an option to pay, uh, ask for a $10,000 relief. So you pay, you borrow 40, you get 30, you or sorry, you repay 30, you may get 10 in the, in, in the, in the change. Depending mm. on, I, I'm not sure what the justification is yet. I haven't got to that point, but, mm. um, but if you re, if you listen to the mantra of the, the liberal government, they're advocating that, listen, CRA, understand that some people are breaking the rules, but make sure the money is getting out there. Don't slow it down for any reason. Right. Um, because they're trying to make sure businesses are liquid. 
So that forty thousand dollars is to help with that liquidity. But, mm-hmm. but if your rent is forty thousand dollars a month, um, you're SOL. And then you're then you're on personally on the hook. That's another problem. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't mean to kill the conversation. It, it's just, no, that's okay. So, there, there's a there's a balance of things, and yes, small owner, small business owners are, will struggle, but they have <clears throat> small business owners are more agile, and you got you got to remember that. Okay, so a small business owner can close can file for bankruptcy, let everything go, go buy it new, and start over again. I thought filing for bankruptcy was like okay, that's that's like a career suicide for somebody who owns a business. No, it's not. Tactical bankruptcies are part of, part of business. See, these are things that I'm not familiar with. Like <laughs> when you're talking about making sure that businesses are liquid and <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you, you lose me on a lot of this stuff. It's like, there's so many rules and, but that, yeah. then there's like these loopholes and shit. And then there's, like you say, tactical bankruptcy. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, no. It just if you if you think about it, it's like for in your language, it'd be like a tenant that didn't pay their rent. Right. So they they move into their place because only because you had a you used to rent out of properties. They stop paying you rent. So then you say, okay, well, listen, I know you can't pay the full amount, but. If you promise to be paying me double next month, I will, you know, accept a half payment this month. Mm-hmm. You know, so that- I'll, I'll pay you on Tuesday for a burger today, basically, right? Something like that. But you know, <laughs> there, there's that, you know, not you know that sex exploitation of people that are, it's on the rise in Newfoundland. But let's move it on the other side. That was another article. But anyways, but <laughs> you you get to this point where, um. The person who's the tenant is now owing you more and more money, but is unable to pay. So you 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 come to these discussions. There, you know, you're, that's when they file for creditor protection. So listen, okay, guys, uh, I don't want to be homeless. Creditor protection, um, but I can't afford to pay this rent right now. I can't af- afford to pay what's what's owed to me. So then you go one side going, okay, you either close down and give us everything you own and we will auction it off to try and recapitalize some of that money. Or you say, well, there's a, there's some, there's some, there, the, we're in the off season right now. When the season picks up, uh, you will owe us, but you're only going to pay 70 cents on the dollar. You know, things like that. So, so there's a lot of different ways. Of, uh, there are fancy words to say we, the company has a problem and they can't pay, and they just sort of work out a way of to do it. Can we have also looked at this? You know, keep it on the soul of the small uh, business thing because you obviously sound like you you know quite a bit about this. Um, I, I I live in a a a very small urban area in a place that wasn't as heavily locked down, but I noticed a lot of the businesses that uh, you know we don't we don't have any shuttered storefronts yet. But I noticed a lot of them. Even companies that didn't have, say, an e a business that didn't have like a huge e-commerce presence, presence or anything like that, adapted fairly quickly either through Facebook, Instagram, or set up a website with the curbside pickup and all this other stuff. Like they, uh, they adapted 
fairly quickly, I would say. So, mm-hmm. our, you know, could you could we look at this and say, you know, for a lot of businesses, this is sort of the uh, the impetus to maybe, you know, go online if you haven't already got an online presence or to start thinking about these um, these alternate ways of getting your your goods and products to customers. If if you're in that kind of business, obviously, if you're like a service business, I can see why that would be difficult. But just, you know, may, maybe this is, you know, looking for the whole silver lining thing. Is this maybe an opportunity where businesses could or even should be sort of seeking out these these alternate arrangements? Yeah, I agree with you. Peter, I'm, I'm totally on board. It's, 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 it's taking the time to understand the situation, plotting a course, and taking decisive action. Yeah. I listened to a – I was involved in a, a Zoom uh, seminar the other day about um, resiliency and responding to um, these sort of crises. And it was from a, a guy who spent a fair bit of time in the British military and started a consulting company. And that was one of the big takeaways that apparently uh, in, a, in a lot of business, aspects of business, uh, people aren't used to dealing with these sort of crises, right? They don't actually have the, the ability or the, I don't want to say training, but the training to kind of step back and, and you know, Look, look at the situation, assess what the biggest problem is, and then adapt to it quickly. And uh, by the sounds of it, a lot of people have, but perhaps the ones that aren't, you know, like you were kind of saying before, maybe they weren't really ready to be, a, or you didn't say it, but like kind of what I, I pulled from it was, maybe they're not quite ready to be a business. They weren't quite prepared for it, right? Hmm. And, and, and totally, yes, sorry, go ahead, uh, Rocks. <laughs> All I know is that he just said, is that uh, Bitters just said a bad word by saying Zoom. <laughs> is Zoom a dirty word? Zoom is a dirty word. <laughs> why, is it, why is it a dirty word? Is this the Chinese whiskey? Word? You go ahead. <laughs> oh, the security flaws. But anyways, that will digre- that will ruin the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't set it up because you know I'm going to push all the responsibility onto somebody else and away from myself. <laughs> like like any good uh, leader in specific government organization might do. Yeah. Or a, a really bad business owner. It's it, it's every, it's all the external fault, the factor's fault. Yeah. Well, of course, it's I, never it's never our own fault, right? Yeah, but you don't talk to my wife. My wife will tell you it's always your fault. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so Whiskey, you sent um, kind of switching gears. Actually, before we do, let's, I'm going to lighten the conversation a little bit. What are we all drinking? Because I noticed I'm, I'm hearing some uh, clank, and, and I'm assuming it's glass in a – or sorry, it's rocks in a, in a glass. What do you got over there, Bitters? I uh, well, I you know, the, it was such a stimulating conversation. I needed I needed a uh, a beverage that would knock me out. Uh, <laughs> due to the uh, due to the, uh, the, the 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 practically communist regulations on smoking in my current apartment building, I am not able to enjoy a cigar while we're doing this because my Wi-Fi doesn't reach my balcony. However, I am mixing up a uh, a Hendrix gin and tonic. Ooh. To keep there it light. I, I didn't want to didn't want to switch to bourbon too early, or else you know the conversation might just get weird. So. Well, it kind of goes in in it kind of goes in line with the whole Scottish theme that we we seem to have sponsored you. With. <laughs> that's a good that's a good gin too. Hendrix is the, well, it's the best one I I know. Uh, what about you, whiskey? I'm uh, dr- I gotta polish off this beer before the the balls explode. Okay, is this the same homemade beer that landed you in trouble a couple episodes back? <laughs> it certainly is. Oh no, we're in I trouble. Got a, I got a I got a large uh, liter and a half bottle worth to get through. 
Okay, can you explain? Can you explain this beer? It's stuff that you and a buddy of ours made, right? Yeah. So, so I I like to harvest things wild, right? Yeah. So what I do is, um, when we make things, I try and add whatever flavors are from my property, and this one here is a Belgian ale with ch- choke cherries with it. So it's, it's 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 a little it's it's got a, a slight amber hue to it rather than a Belgian ale which is usually much lighter. Um, uh, it's not it 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 is is not as sweet. Uh, like when you first drink it, the first time you drank it, after I bottled it, it was sweeter because uh, there's still it was still carbonating. Right. So now it's it's got a slight sweetness to it, and then you got the choke cherries. It's just it's a very interesting beer. That and within two pints, it fucks you up. <laughs> I mean, you, you, did, you didn't mention uh, homebrew foraging and a weird experience. I thought you might have made some sort of uh, uh, mushroom flavored beer. Yeah, that's next. Week. That's next week. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard of mushroom coffee. I don't like. I, it seems to be a thing. It's another one of those things. It's just, there's all these little. Uh, online social media alchemists that are going around they're just making new shit and it's crazy i've had the mushroom coffee don't do it it. don't do it oh does it make you see things no it tastes like shit (laughs) (laughs) why don't you just why don't you just call this brown tea i've been more accepting yeah Okay. I, I, well, I had I had a friend. He, we were we were uh, Kingston. Um, we were working we were working at a at a building not too far from the base, and uh, he he says, uh, "Okay, I gotta go into town. Does anybody want a coffee?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So he comes in with these styrofoam cups. I'm like, "Who uses this weird stuff? It, it's a organically something friendly cup." I'm like, "Okay." Biodegradable. Oh, oh, what, what you got me a coffee? Yeah, perfect. I taste it like. What is this? Because it, it ain't coffee. Like I know coffee. I know coffee inside and out. This ain't coffee. I picked the damn berries. I know what it tastes like. And he's like, it's mushroom coffee. Right. I looked at him. I gave it back to him. I put it back in the holder and saying, this will ruin my morning. Mm. <laughs> This is not going to have a caffeine it required. <laughs> right. I feel like if you're offering to bring somebody coffee, you should sort of, you know, just bring a normal beverage as opposed to trying to get them onto some weird kind of experiment you're doing. It feels like that's sort of like a an unspoken rule of picking up the coffee or picking up the beer. You know, if you're going to offer to buy a round of beer, you don't go buy the really weird coffee. Buy something good. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the thing was is that there's four coffee stores – Across the street from it. <laughs> it's like breaking. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah, you got to play it safe, man. Like, no, nobody's going to turn down, uh, you know, not nobody's going to turn down a double double or a, or a, you know, a large regular from Timmy's or something like that. Yeah, They're not going to. You should turn down a double double. That stuff is just caffeinated mediocrity. Oh, well, it's just sugar with cream in it. That's all it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> but apparently it doesn't get your teeth all stained. So because of the amount of cream that they put into it. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, <laughs> like, so I'm get your, get your obesity on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I stopped. Uh, I stopped drinking that crap a while ago. So I'm drinking. Uh, I'm pulling out uh, a bottle I haven't opened in quite a while. It's a Lafroig Triple Wood. It's uh, quite nice. I'm just drinking it. Like it's for a Lafroig because Lafroig is basically like. If you think about grandma's medicine cabinet, like that's how peaty, how smoky, mm-hmm. um, how smoky the Lafroigs are. They're uh, they're quite uh, they're quite peaty. They come from the Islay Island or the Islay. Some people have called it the Islay. I call it the Islay um, of uh, Scotland, and it is quite delicious. It's gone down quite nice. Triple matured for peat, oak, and subtle sweetness. I like it. Um, yeah. Where to go from here? Well, we've already covered alcohol and mushroom coffee and small business, so we're halfway through a Joe Rogan style podcast already. Basically, <laughs> basically. Uh, <laughs> Who says we aren't influenced? <laughs> someone, someone's just got to spark up some jazz cabbage, and we're well on our way. Yeah, exactly. Devil's lettuce. Yeah, a left-handed cigarette. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of consumers of the devil's lettuce, did you guys uh, hear about uh, skateboarders on the Gardner Expressway? No, no I think okay. I heard about it, but I didn't. I didn't see. I thought there was a video or something. I, didn't, I never saw it. I don't know if there was a video, but okay. So in downtown Toronto, uh, for listeners who don't don't know, um, the Gardner Expressway is basically the main uh, highway. I guess it's a hundred uh, hundred series highway. That it was not. Is it not? It's not a hundred series. It's a four hundred series highway. Four hundred series. Sorry, four hundred series highway, uh, and it goes right through the heart of downtown Toronto. By it passes by CN Tower, the Roy Thompson Hall, all those places, and uh, and I guess because uh, traffic is so low, Late recently in the downtown corridor that um, uh, skateboarders were found um, doing their thing on the Gardner Expressway and each of them were fined about 110 bucks and then along the same line there was a couple of guys who were caught actually they kind of filmed themselves so it was you know stupid of them on their own because they're trying to brag about it but I guess Hyde Park was closed down uh, in downtown Toronto, and these guys were climbing the cherry blossom trees because that's a big highlight at this time of year, the springtime, is the uh, blossoming uh, cherry blossom trees in Hyde Park. And nobody is allowed in Hyde Park uh, due to COVID-19. And so these guys were filming themselves late at night climbing these trees uh, in the middle. And then it finally caught up with them because social media is a bitch. And uh, they got fined uh, $1,150 fine. And the joke that I heard on the local radio station at the time was uh, the solution here is clear. All we need to do is plant some cherry blossoms on the Gardner Expressway, and then it won't be so expensive. So there you go. There is someone uh, also that was someone there was, there was someone that was uh, stopped for going over 300 kilometers an hour on the uh, was it 401? Yeah. Holy shit. He was like, and he had a G. He was like an eighteen-year-old kid with a G two license, and he he apparently he told the cop, "No, no, it's cool. I'm used to doing this." Or words to that <gasps> No. Amazing. Oh shit. <laughs> that's that's you know you've 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 got to have a set of brass ones if you're gonna get pulled over doing something like that or anything illegal and look at a police you know dead eye a police officer and say, "No, nah, it's cool. I'm used to this." <laughs> no, it's cool, bro. 
<laughs> he, he probably added a whoa, 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 six feet, bro, bro. <laughs> you either got to have a set of brass ones or really rich parents, and I'm I'm gonna go with the second one, but still. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay, officer. I'm used to doing this. Yeah. Shit. Do you know who? Do you know who my dad is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's probably from Queens. That's where the oh. kid probably came from. That's why he made yeah. it to Toronto. That's why he made it to Toronto in half an hour from Kingston. Yeah, I mean, you could you could, you could go from Kingston to Toronto in what two less than two hours going that fast? Yeah. Oh, for oh, sure. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's impressive. It'd be an like, hour. In in an hour and going at a buck and, twenty, you can go. You can do it in two hours. So you're doing in that speed. Yeah, you'll you'll make it to Toronto in an hour. I, I'm I'm almost in, like I'm not even really mad about it. I'm I'm just kind of impressed. If you think no, about it, that's, no, we're not we're not endorsing. We're not endorsing. No. <laughs> we're not endorsing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not endorsing it as you know. Don't worry, kids listening, it's illegal and don't do that. It's very bad, but I mean that's that's fast. Yeah, that's, it it fast. is it is. But the thing is, like, so what we fail to understand, we're like, we got the guy that's caught. What often is underreported is how many accidents he fucking caused along the way. Well, yeah. that's the other question, right? You know, who, whose doors did he blow off when he's going down the highway? Like I said, I would never, I would never <laughs> imply that this was a good idea, but it's still kind of impressive. I wonder how, like, was it worth it? How much fun would that be? Well, it depends how mad his mom and dad will be when he gets home and has to tell him they got the Merc toad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeesh. You know, sorry, mom and dad, I lost the Mercedes. Can I have the keys to the Audi? <laughs> I'm drawing conclusions about this person, knowing nothing at all about them. But, you know, I'm just closing yeah. my eyes and assuming a certain type of, per- of human being. Just some We're- stern parents looking at their kids like, OK, yeah. but you have to be back by 11. <laughs> and and the weapons grade douchebag that told the cop, no, it's cool. I've done this before. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> weapons grade douchebag. That's good. Uh, so that's almost all my notes the last one was actually a big one um and this was i okay so whiskey you'll be proud of me um i finally i finally bought a subscription to not just one but two uh two journalism sites one being the economist and the other being the Globe and Mail, because I wanted to have that Canadian flavor. And uh, in, so I figured you'd be proud of me. And one of the articles that I pulled off of there, uh, this was, I I'm, I'm hope I don't kill the mood too bad, but uh, it was talking about violence against healthcare workers and how it's actually, it's actually on the rise. Yep. Um, the quote that I pulled there was... Um, the figures are stark. The World Health Organization estimates that as many as 38% of physicians worldwide have suffered physical violence at some point in their careers. Now, that's just in general, but uh, it seems to have spiked quite a bit as a result of the coronavirus. Um, fear of contagion amplified by misinformation appears to be prompting more violence during the pandemic. Often physical attacks are preceded by verbal ones as doctors and nurses are singled out for supposedly spreading the disease. Others seem uh, just born of frustration. Staff at hospitals in Australia reported being deliberately coughed and spat on by anxious patients waiting to be tested for the disease. Uh, Like, this is insane. I didn't realize that this was a thing. Like, there's a... 
uh, people in Chicago are being told, like staffers and uh, and doctors and and nurses are being told, don't wear your scrubs home um, because people are like they're ganging up on people on buses in fucking Chicago. It's like this is the developed world. And we're like, this is a thing. Holy shit. It's not even new, buddy. That's the problem. It's been going on for years. Like my wife used to complains about it all the time. It's like try and try and deal with a patient who has dementia. Doesn't know where he is. Doesn't know the boundaries of right and wrong. And they're bigger than you. And you're and you have to go into the room by yourself. Okay, so here's a here's a question I have. Like uh, one of the things that seemed to have hinted at in one of these articles was that um, this could also be a result of um, privatized medicine. So. No, no, like, not, not well, let me finish the thought. In places where government has given up funding or they have they are not funding um, medical health care plans and um, medicine has gone kind of private. So people kind of see doctors as just out to make a quick buck and some places and like that's not it's not an informed argument, obviously, but it seems to be one thing that uh, the article was hinting at. Go ahead. No, it's, it's just completely <clears throat> hogwash. Okay, you have a mentally debilitated person, and you're trying to impose logic on what they're doing, and logic has the sense of right and wrong. Well, it's not just mentally debilitated people, but it's also it's it's just regular people. But as soon as you get into a mob mentality, because I've seen footage of of uh, people in India chasing doctors and throwing shit at them like just to uh, it, it was so like these they're not they're not all mentally de- uh, debilitated no but uh, mentally debilitated doesn't mean I say it means they are completely wrong they are not thinking correctly mm. and if they're not thinking correctly they aren't going to act correctly or rationally and our nurses and, and stuff like that are at risk and my wife, who is about to jump down your throat and argue on her own behalf, so you better be careful. We're gonna have an extra guest. Oh, can she hear me? No, but she hears me talking about it, and she's ready to engage. Oh, please <laughs> put her on. <laughs> All right, come here. You're I know. I'm genuinely curious because, like, this is fucking crazy just to hear that this is this is a regular thing. Listen, if we don't support our healthcare people and provide them a safe environment, the problem with with them right now is. They under one order is that they need to protect their patients. So they use that protect the patient part to try and advocate to not tell the truth of what's really going on in hospitals and how sometimes the environment isn't as safe as it should be. Right. No, I totally agree with you. But this is also something that appears not to be happening just in hospitals. It's also happening out in public spaces, too. Like when the, the case of, you know, the nurse in her scrubs sitting on a public bus trying to get to or from work. And then all of a sudden they're they're either verbally or physically accosted by uh, some piece of shit on the same bus. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, yeah. like, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I jumped no, 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 ahead. I was just uh, I was just going to say, like, you know, and this doesn't excuse it, but I think we've seen. uh you could, I think you could argue that when people are um, scared and don't understand what's happening, they lash out at, you know, like the nearest obvious um, official figure, right? So, 
I think, you know, you can, it's like when in Africa, right? During the, the height of the Ebola crisis, right? Uh, healthcare workers were being attacked and killed on their way into villages that had Ebola outbreaks because the villagers thought the healthcare workers were going to bring Ebola when they were suffering for it at the same time. So they were in this sort of vortex of fear. And of course, it doesn't justify it, right? But like we've seen throughout this, this pandemic, whether it's people stocking up on toilet paper or fighting, you know, like, like knocking over senior citizens for, for the last thing of milk or attacking healthcare workers. It's, it's like people yeah. are just kind of going into this, this mode where they, they are just like, uh, you, you know, you can make an argument that people just aren't resilient anymore, right? They're not, they don't have the mental resiliency to get through something that they don't understand and they can't, they're scared of. So they just lash out at everyone around them, which is part, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the person necess- that wakes up and spits on a nurse on the bus you know, if you asked them six months ago, do you hate nurses? They probably wouldn't say yes, but they're, you know, it's, it's like, you know what I mean? Like they, there's just this irrational reaction to a situation they don't understand because, you know, people just frankly are not resilient enough to deal with a situation like this in a, in a, in a healthy manner, for lack of a better term. That's a great point that you make. Like, I'm, I'm actually curious, what do you mean by mental resiliency? Cause that's an interesting topic to bring up here. Well, and again, uh, keep in mind, I, uh, <clears throat> I'll caveat by saying I am not a mental health expert whatsoever, nor do I right. work in the airfield. But not, neither are any of us, but that's my, okay. My understanding is that, you know, there's there's a level of sort of, of resiliency that people can build up, which comes from um, conquering something that happened, conquering a negative event or navigating their way successfully through a challenge or through something bad that happened to them or something difficult. There's, you know, Many people make arguments, you know, this is why we need to have mandatory military service or why we need to have more sports or we need to have things that challenge people. And I think this situation, because if you, you know, people, this, this really wasn't a big deal if you, if you think about it, right? The internet didn't shut down. All we did was sit at home, smoke pot, play video games and watch Netflix, you know, as far as the Some apocalypse. Some people are already used to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as the apocalypse goes, this wasn't so bad. But even then, people were reacting in these like visceral, viscerally negative ways, whether again, it was, you know, and it, there's videos, like I said, of people like a, 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 a assaulting senior citizens, the, yeah. the society's elders just to get to like the last carton of milk or people who are attacking healthcare workers, whether it's in hospitals or on the street, because blaming them for the spread of COVID or people, you know, people who six months ago would never have said, I'm a racist. Um attacking asian people of asian descent blaming them for this right yeah so i i my my belief in that case would be that people are just they're reacting negatively because they don't have the ability to sort of like what was said earlier right with the small business step back evaluate the situation figure out what you have to do right you know stocking up on toilet paper is not going to protect you from coronavirus nor is beating up the closest chinese person hmm. but we you know people lack those sort of coping skills and i i'd be curious to hear from um, uh, whiskey's wife there about her experiences in the medical world, right? Like, are are people are people doing this because they're you know they're unhinged or are they just are they so terrified that they're lashing out at people around them? And if so, why are they so scared? Because if you think about it, not not to downplay all the deaths and all the the negativity that's come from coronavirus, but as far as the zombie apocalypse goes, this really you know we will get through it. This the light is at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Whiskey? Is Mrs. Whiskey coming on? Or did he... Oh, she's, she's giving me an earful right now. Oh. 
<laughs> Tell her to come on. Grab a headset. Uh, she's too scared. She's running no, away. No, no, no. If, okay, let's... <laughs> so, she's running away. She, she wants to be the background. She, she's, she's like the backseat podcaster. Oh, that's totally fine too. Hey man, if uh, if Mrs. Whiskey ever wants to come on the show, and if she doesn't want stuff to be kept in the show, by all means, we'll take it out. It's all it's it's. I just want her to. I want to make her feel safe. That's the. I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? But if uh, I fully encourage her to come on and uh, and give us an earful, that would be great. No. Or sorry, whiskey. Or rocks is wanting to run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stuff, Jason. I'm just sworn to secrecy on that stuff. Lots she says she's sworn to secrecy on that stuff. So, sworn to secrecy. Okay. So, anyways, we'll just move on then. That's fair. All right. No, don't worry about it. It's all right. Yeah. She'll, she'll save her monologue for next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the one who does the monologues here. <laughs> People get tired of it pretty quick. Um, okay, so to kind of go back to your point there, Bitters, on, uh, on, on resiliency, like, basically what you're saying is, like, I think it's something that we've said many times before on this podcast is that, uh, I think just generally as a society, we just don't have, I, I don't know, what do you want to call it, the fortitude to be able to like by and large we don't have the the individual does not have the fortitude it needs to be able to survive something just as basic as you know or at least you could call it as light as this pandemic now i'm not to not like you said not to downplay what's been going on with covid with the amount of deaths and the amount of people infected and and the panic and some of the stuff and some of the hardship that it's caused for small business but as things go, like you said, and I kind of agree with you, um, you know, it's, it's, it could be worse. It could be much worse. Well, that's what I, that's what I wonder, right? Because if you look, even without in, in the U S right, like what are people, what are people pissed off about? I can't go to the salon. I can't go to uh, the cheesecake factory. Like we're in yeah. the midst of, in the midst of what is a legitimate public health crisis. We are, or I shouldn't say we, there are people that are, having a very difficult time because the sort of the, the slightest interruption to their um, to their lives is almost catastrophically destructive to their mental health. And That's I'd be crazy. very curious. I mean, I think it'd be cool if someone could do a study, especially on the, the socioeconomic status of those who are, who are suffering most in that case, right? Is it, is it people who are lower on the socioeconomic rung? Does education have something to do with it? like where are, where where do we have these 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 sort of fault lines or points of failure in society where people are again like you know people are store in the U.S. are storming their their elected legislatures with guns and face and camouflage on because they can't go to the salon. And well, and some and these are the same people that'll tr- literally trample over other people during Black Friday sales. Yeah. Right. It's like the same kind of person. Like if I can't get mine, like I will, you know, it's death to all others before I get get before I get my shit or whatever. And I think it's worth a, worth consideration, right? Like if it's what you know, uh, what was it um, in uh, the Dark Knight Returns, right? With the Joker, all 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 society needs or all madness needs is just that one little push, right? Well, we've we've had for most of us 
uh, those of us who have not had a, a loved one die from COVID or who have not, who aren't on the front lines in the healthcare system, you know, I'm, I'm, I won't wax poetic about grocery store workers. I have my own opinion about that sort of stuff. But as far as people like deep on the trenches on this or people of, you know, leaving them aside, for most of us, this has just been a little poke, you know, a, a, a relatively minor inconvenience, mm-hmm. um, especially if you still have a job and stuff. And yet, you know, there's there's all this talk about how there's going to be massive mental health problems because of this. And we're going to face uh, a, 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 a tidal wave of, uh, of mental of mental health problems in society after this. And I'm thinking, I mean, I've sit at home without my pants on for two months now watching Netflix and picking my nose. And it hasn't been that bad. Um <laughs> Keeping in mind that I'm lucky enough to still have a job and whatnot, but still, like it's, you know, is this really catastrophically bad? I, I don't know, but uh, let's let's not. Um, so just because I'm not drunk enough yet, but um, <laughs> let's not cast like what emotional duress is for other people. Like I, I, I can't imagine being a parent and trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my mortgage and feed my kids and not be able to find work. And if I do find work. I'm going to bring a potentially big illness home and kill my kids. Like it, 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 it's, uh, it's something else. And then you add in the stress of parents, long-term yeah. care facilities. Like I, I think there's, there's more to this. And we, it's the old adage is that you, you shouldn't judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Um, it, it means something. So like sure. if we switch the side to seniors, I was, I was talking to my neighbor he's 80 something now um he's an old british guy um i was working in my house and he said where's your permit and then i gave him two fingers i said here's your permit but anyways uh him and i have a relationship Uh, (laughs) so like so he came over and he says oh how is going and he was complaining about things and he's a snowbird and he says well, we're getting ready to, in case we don't go back, go south this year. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then he was talking about, yeah, it's a crazy times about the nursing homes and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I guess who designed the nursing home construct? He's like, who? The baby boomers. I looked at, and then I looked at him. It says, what wouldn't be interesting as a, a whole generation <laughs> found a way of getting rid of old people by putting them in these little, you know, stalls inside nursing homes. And he goes, yeah, it's a travesty. I'm like, you got it was your generation that built them. Yeah, <laughs> those didn't exist before. <laughs> those are new. <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, someone should do something about it. I said, yeah, you guys fucked it up so much. Look, look, here comes Generation X and Millennials to come and fix it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Because he's always complaining. Because he's always complaining how things are broken. It should have been a different way. I'm like, yeah, it was your generation. Your generation, buddy. <laughs> they have, yeah, they have, and they have the audacity to criticize, you know, current and future generations for being, well, let's 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 not mix mince words or whatever, but basically being light in the shoes to be able to do anything about it. But <laughs> people are figuring this shit out. Like honestly, between Gen Xers and Millennials, I think they're they're trying to figure this shit out, and they're trying to. Because this is like, what's going to happen when we start going back? And it, it's not just going to return back to normal. Like, it's going to take a while. And what is normal going to mean anyway? Well, I, I think that goes back to the resi- like the ability to sort of adapt to it. You know, and it's a valid criticism of what I think. Perhaps I came across as a bit unfair. It's, you know, it's not to say that people are. 
people's reactions aren't aren't uh, justified because obviously mm-hmm. you know it's tr- it's true, right? You, you 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 don't know what other battles people are facing on their day to day. Yeah, but, this is very true. Yeah, but I think there's you know we have to again that kind of goes back to maybe the the mental resiliency and the I don't want to say toughness because it's a bad term for it, but that ability to sort of adapt and overcome from a situation and how are we going to come out of this right once we all emerge with our, our our mountain man haircuts and everything out of our homes how do we adopt or how do we adapt to this new normal because um as of right now what i'm seeing at least where i am is that you know what people aren't wearing masks right things reopen we're just it's almost like people are so desperate to go back uh, so they're so desperate to return to what was comfortable for them uh two months ago you know, no masks. The social distancing is kind of, uh, you know, that's a 50-50, to be honest, in most of the grocery stores here and everything else. So, you know, mm. I, I don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, you, It would be difficult if, if we if we didn't, if we had trouble reacting to the sort of the lockdown and stuff, I wonder how we're going to deal with perhaps a year or two of these new measures until we have to go, until we finally get to go back to what was normal before. It's, All uh, I could say is... From my generation to yours, get a haircut and get a fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to to shave my head, so I I haven't gotten to that point yet. No, I haven't hit that point either yet. My hair is growing like mad. It's going disgusting. Oh, it's great. uh, uh, I don't think the wife would uh, let me shave it, though. I I definitely wouldn't. I uh, I look like a cone head without the cone. Hey, listen. If your if your grass is that long, she would not tolerate it. <laughs> Fix that shit. I, I think you should go for the man bun. There, rocks. <laughs> I think you should really go for it. I mean, it's it's the new thing, right? Go for the man bun. <laughs> I know. I've, I'm unfortunately my current geographical location has me uh, uh, deeply, deeply uh, into that milieu. But I haven't started wearing uh, ta- uh, you know. Tap out T-shirts and thank you. Wait, 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 wait. Do you, do you still have sleeves on your T-shirts? I do. <laughs> I, 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 even, I even wear shirts with a collar on it once in a while. <laughs> Is the collar still on it? <laughs> you could just say you're from Fredericton. They call it Freddy. They call it yeah, Freddy. That's right. It's right. very clear. I'm not from here. No, you're I'm not just, from you're not from Fredericton, but you are living in Fredericton. I am temporarily relocated here. <laughs> well, you, uh, well you, you don't talk with a lisp, so it means you got your front teeth, so you're good to go. Because you're yeah. originally from you're originally from Ottawa, right? Or as you yeah. call it, Upper Canada. It's the seat of the, the seat of Upper Canada, Ottawa. I'm thinking we need a new nickname for him, Whiskey. What do you think? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, you're just a, you're just a, you're national head, you're national center piece of shit. That's what you are. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And it's called, it's called Upper Canada for a reason. Yes. Although I do, I do self-identify having lived in Montreal for so long as a Quebecois. So. Ah. Well, we've only got room for one. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll we'll hate we'll hate you from both sides. Yeah, exactly. I for some yeah, reason, I, I, I for the longest time I thought you were from Alberta. I was like, oh, finally, we're gonna get a guest on the podcast who is uh, who is going to be able to speak from the far reaches of Saskatoba. Um, but hey, uh, hey, hey, put that shit away. I'll tell it from only one person. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, if you want, to, if you really want to get into it, there you go. Uh, you were telling me about this. This uh, what is this style? Oh, you're you need to turn off the blurring of your background because it's blurring your book out. Style out guide. The Economist style guide. Ah, cool. You know you're a geek win. <laughs> well, it came. I know you're a geek win. Anyway, uh, I unfortunately don't have a cool background. I just have a white wall, so I will. Uh, oh, I, I'm. I just. The- I just moved into this house, so all I have are blank walls. We can't really hang anything up on the walls yet because we still got to wait for the paint to cure. So lies. Yeah, Lies. apparently, apparently it takes thirty days for paint to cure. Who knew? Yeah, and make, new... sure you, make sure you hang up all your "I love me" stuff on the wall. That's key. <laughs> yeah, that's, gonna put my lie. degree. Up. It's because they don't want you to hit it with a hammer, and that's when right. it does, it's gonna go through. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably has something to do with uh, warranties, because if anything were to happen that way, if it's outside the initial 30 day warranty, because there's like different warranties that happen over a period with a new build home that happen over a period of seven years. But certain things are only covered under certain durations. And so I imagine if you put a hammer through a wall within the first 30 days, you might be covered. So that's why they say don't put anything on the walls until after 30 days. <laughs> Probably something like that. You're nodding your head in approval, which means I'm on the right. I'm on the right train. You're of telling thought. the truth, but is but you're being lied to. <laughs> oh, that's 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 my life. That's that's anybody's life. Everybody tries to tell their own truth, but everybody else is being lied to. Let's get it on. Oh no! Is this your beer still, dude? How fast can you drink a liter and a half? Ugh, that's I'm a not. that's a serious amount of beer right there. Holy yeah, God. that is. And he's drinking it of a Glen Karen too. <laughs> I would have to, I would have been late. I gotta have to go back upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's just good planning right there. You have to have all the beer you need within arm's reach. Yeah, I, I have this compul this compulsion never ever to do the O face and shape a giant ass bottle like this. So the small cup it was. <laughs> Mm. here's a okay so i can't remember who sent this to me or if i just found it myself and i thought it was hilarious have you ever have you ever heard of the shopping cart theory no no okay i'll read it to you the shopping cart theory it says the shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing the return of the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize as the correct, appropriate thing to do. The return no. to no. return the shopping cart. No, let me finish. Let me finish. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their cart. Simultaneously. False. False. Simultaneously. False. It is not illegal to abandon your shopping cart. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No Written one by will punish a person you. with no kids. <laughs> no one will punish you for it is not illegal returning the sh- to leave your oh. kids unattended in a conversation <sighs> in a car <laughs> unless they're over 16 age of 16. Therefore, <laughs> It is illegal for you to leave your kids in the car so you can return the shopping cart. 
No one will punish you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's clearly drinking the beer again. We're in trouble. It's only a matter of time. (laughs) I mean, you you could just park beside the cart corral, which would allow you to do both things at once. But well, that's that's just called that's just called good. (laughs) Yeah, you can plan that at Costco. Yeah. (laughs) I I wouldn't know. I don't go to Costco. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You don't have nope. you don't have a place with shopping carts, do you? No one, no <laughs> one, no one will punish you for re- for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or kill you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing mm-hmm. by returning the shopping cart. You must return. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart. No, because order. Because it is the right thing to do. Because it is correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than an animal. An absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with a law and the force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is a good or bad member of society. I love that. That's a great one. You can say false that, dichotomy. You, false you can, dichotomy. You can say that ripping a ripping a smelly fart in a large bar is the exact same thing, right? If you take responsibility for it, you're a good person. But you don't have to. You, you could not take responsibility for it, and no one would know because no one heard it. Yeah. Same, same <laughs> logic. Hey, 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 you know, hey, listen. If I return my cart, I'm taking away someone's job. Because um, at Costco, all those guys do is go around and pick up the carts. So. You know, if I return my car by myself, then you know he's not going to have a job. And do you hate but, kids? What do you mean? Do you hate leave, kids? But if well, you leave the shopping cart, the money he makes at Costco. <laughs> but if you leave the shopping cart in the middle of a fucking parking spot like an asshole, then you ruin business for that organization. Do you not? You're you're preventing no, somebody the else from parking their vehicle. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there, you, you can really, really, really stretch that line of logic with this one. <laughs> you want to talk about rabbit holes? Oh yeah, yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. I saw that. Uh, I think I saw it on Imager, but it probably came from 4chan or one of those, uh, one of those, one of those places uh, on the internet that's like weaponized autism, as a friend once put it towards me. Isn't 4chan like the absolute depths of? It's like Depth a cesspool. depravity on the internet. Yeah, it's a cesspool. That's all it is. <laughs> it's like the comment section on most Instagram posts now. Yeah, or Facebook. Facebook is terrible too. <clears throat> I've taken a look at internet comments like, now. Three quarters of my family from Facebook. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's so racist. It's just yeah. too. Bad. Um, too much work doing. So I figure we're done talking about smart stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey. We have and just he, said <laughs> we just sent it to the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, exactly. He's halfway in. He uh, says before, after he used a shopping cart analogy. Before we wrap, uh, before we start wrapping this up, because we're uh, an hour past now. Um, what do you guys? Are you guys watching? What are you guys watching on Netflix? I've been watching that Michael Jordan documentary, which is <clears> fascinating. <throat> I I love it. I just finished watching Fauda. Fauda. Yeah, it's uh, it's Israeli. Um, it's about a you know Israeli secret unit that works undercover in the West Bank. Uh, it's in Hebrew and Arabic with subtitles, and but it covers a lot of the uh, um, 
a lot of the sort of intricacies of that conflict and the you know the individual uh, reactions of both the Palestinian and the Israeli side to those aspects of the conflict. Plus, there's lots of violence and car chases and shooting and other cool stuff. So it's a good mix of you know a little bit cerebral and just you know um, war porn. So I mm. recommend it. I just finished the most recent season and it's quite uh, it's quite good. But you got to put because the, the the English over like the, if you do with the English, it, it it's really weird. So you have to do the subtitles. So you got to like pay attention. But right. It's good. So a couple of things I've noticed with this uh, Michael Jordan documentary is, first of all, I mean, when I was a kid, like, and this is something that I've been talking about, uh, talking uh, with Cognac about, but uh, like ever since I was a kid, I knew who Michael Jordan was. I mean, there wasn't a person in the, especially in the 90s, who didn't know who he was. But uh, there's things that I've learned about him, like, not you know, aside from him being perhaps arguably the best basketball player of all time, uh, at least for his time period, um, you don't realize just how good the guy is at, like, his his self-branding, like, at his own personal brand, at, mm-hmm. uh, at marketing himself. Look at you with big words. I know, right? <laughs> I started buying a subscription to The Economist, and all of a sudden, I start sounding like you and <laughs> wearing collared shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's crazy, like uh, the 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 language that they use um, in this in this documentary and how they go about business. It's like they talk about basketball, like military commanders talk about a campaign. Uh, against each other like they're just so deep in the weeds of the the technicalities and like the spirit of the sport it's 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 insane and uh i don't know like the just the amount of focus um and what they're willing so, to do so, to overcome any so odds the, so the the um madison avenue ad- advertising firm was started mm-hmm. by a military guy and a lot of his techniques that were eventually adopted by universities for teaching was the same really? type of language. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That, and I didn't realize how much people from Chicago hate people from Detroit. That was a that was something. I, <laughs> it was kind of kind of fascinating. But like New York, New Jersey, Winnipeg, yeah. anybody, everybody Saskatchewan, else. But you you see you see. You see flaws in in Jordan's character, like you see flaws in his character that you never knew existed before. Because like, I grew up with fucking Space Jam, man. Like, uh, like that's basically that was you know I didn't really watch too much basketball when I was a kid, but everybody knew his name, and everybody knew Be Like Mike, and everybody knew fucking Bugs Bunny and and uh, and Michael Jordan in in Space Jam, right? So you saw you saw him as like the the role model that. You know, he was trying to portray himself to be. And I read an article recently about uh, about the documentary that's going on. And um, and I guess there's been talks lately about who the best basketball player of all time is and names like Kobe Bryant. And and um, who's who else is going? Who else is up there right now? Uh, fuck. Well, Magic Johnson was another one, but obviously he was he was during Jordan's time as well. But basically, what they were getting at in this article was um, Jordan is pushing this documentary to remind you of his greatness. So it's just another attempt at branding for himself. 
which is kind of an interesting thing because when learning, you see him, you're learning, you're well, learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like when you see him talk, and when you see him sitting in front of the in front of the camera, and the way that he carries himself and stuff, you can tell the guy is still a little bit buried in his past. You know, as great as he was, he's still a little bit like he's still a little bit like living in his own past, which is it still makes for a like amazing television but it, it was it was pretty it's pretty it's pretty wild anyway so, sounds like anybody you run into at the local legion <laughs> yeah but, yeah no no, no but i think it, it goes beyond that i think i think i i like i used to volunteer in uh personal care homes which where we put the old people um the the thing is is like you you get to a point like I like having my my tumor in my foot last year, and having surgery and removed. You get to a point where you go like, I used to do that. Like, this used to make me proud. Now, n- now, what am I? I'm just a shell of my former self. So, like, I don't have the option to go rewind. Hey, remember that time I ran 21 kilometers every day for like six months? I, I can't go back. There's no film of that. That's me and the other fat guy was hacking and coughing as we were doing it. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no fucking movies about that. Yeah. But, but the point, the the point becomes is like, what, what is it? So personal branding. Maybe this is like a pre prequel to something else that Jordan's trying to do. Um, maybe he's running out of money, so he's decided that he wants to go back to work to do something. And he he's got a commodity which is his fame, and using that to launch them. So there's a business side to this, but to pair this with the Legion, I think that's unfair because the the brand of those people within there doesn't exist outside the microcosm or the niche market that the that, the, that those guys do and what they've done. Um, so I think it's a bit of unfair, a bit of unfairness on that one. They're not trying to recapitalize on something where Jordan is, is, is trying to research a brand. See, I, I should have warned you, Bitters, that even like half in the bag, whiskey is still operating at a, at a level we can't begin to comprehend. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Like I said, my, my experience as a Legion, unfortunately, have been not fantastic. But that, that's a whole other conversation for another day. That could actually be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, there is, but there is an aspect to it, right? Like, um, when you look back on points in your life, like, you know, especially things that you would consider the defining points in your life. And once you're past that, it's kind of like, you know, Jordan, I guess, has the ability to capitalize on it. Um, how old is he now? Anyway, he's got to be in his fifties. Yeah, he's got to be. Let's find out. I mean, he can capitalize on it and make lots of money, but the rest of us, when we look back, all we have is what stories and, and uh, I don't, I don't, yeah. Well, there you go. Right. There's one. 1963. Wow. I don't want to say memories because so, that sounds a little bit too cliche, but like, you know, how do you, uh, when you're with your personal brand, you kind of pick a point in time, a snapshot of it, and that's that's kind of all you got, right? Yeah. For, for you, it, 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 you spend your, your time going, did I peak? Was that it? Did I miss my chance? Did I miss that opening? Mm-hmm. And then, like, like my friends, because I'm a little bit older, right? So, like I visit my friends that got out of retired or forced forced retirement, and they're still telling me the stories of what happened last time. You know, fifteen years ago, like it was yeah. yesterday to them. 
So I don't, for them, I don't it's, see anything. It, it's, 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 it's real. It's, it's that moment. Mm-hmm. So if it, because those moments um, burn their mind, there were those defining moments for them. Yeah. And because those moments were defining, like the word itself sort of captures it. Yeah. It's how they view themselves. And without those moments, they cease to understand who they are, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's so, visceral. It's yeah, visceral, yeah. really. Totally. It's interesting because, like, I don't see anything wrong with having a healthy amount of nostalgia. But at the same time, when you see somebody who's, like, constantly living in their past, it's like they there's things that they haven't reconciled yet. And uh, and they're, they're still they, – they're not they're – not, it's almost like they're incapable – of moving on and onto the next thing. So get ready for it, rocks. Every time. I'm the worst. I'm totally the worst. But See, anyways, I'm going to blank that out, and then Cognac's going to listen to this. He's just like, just adding that to the bingo sheet every time Whiskey fucks up a name. <laughs> it's because it still says MM. Um, anyways, uh, uh, I'm going to go through this. We'll go through this though. It's, it, it, but the, when you pair that with mental illness, what is mental illness? Is in in, in some respects you're stuck. You're mentally cap- incapable of moving beyond those moments in your life mm. that precluded you from moving on and developing health. It's like the chiropractor's subluxation of the spine, or it, it's like. You, you know, maybe you need like a mental massage to get out, to get that crap out. But the, the point is, is like you need to understand is that my friends that are stuck, I, I, I call it stuck. OK, because I don't have a better word for it. Um, but telling you those stories is therapy for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it, 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 it is weird. Like it's like. It is weirdest thing I've ever seen, and I, it was something I had to get used to into my mid thirties, because all my my senior people were getting, you know, retiring, and they would you would visit them after, and they would tell you these stories over and over and over again. You can be at different coffee shop, different meal, same story every single time. Sorry, you may have cut out a little bit there. You're saying when you're at that point in your life, telling those stories is a little bit cathartic and it's actually good for you. Is that what you're saying? It's good for them. It's let them get them. on. And then you, it's how, it's, it's their last linkage, but you got to see the story as a linkage to you. Yeah. They're telling that because they're relating to you because they can no longer relate to the, what's going on with you. Cause that story is their link to your life. Because as soon as that story is severed, they're no longer relevant. Hmm. And if there's mental illness, that thread might be the only thing that's holding them on to the reality that you exist in. And in a cesspool of mental illness, you should never break that thread. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And that's where that's the single point of failure for a lot of people who are transitioning out of that that world into the um, I don't know the real world, for lack of a better term. Um, is especially if you're going to go from a job where you're doing, you know, doing cool guy shit on a regular basis and you're going to go work in an office, right? It's that um, you find that point in your life, whether it was, you know, your entire career or just for five years or whatever you're doing where you actually felt meaning, you felt purpose and you go to something without it. 
but it, it, it is a, it is a big logical leap to kind of to leave that all behind and gonna go okay what am i gonna do next you know work at a cubicle yeah. somewhere else no it's a valid point like i said and it's it, it can be it can be unhealthy i think in some cases but there is there is value to to sitting down and listening especially to a lot of the old timers um and kind of helping them through that because yeah you're that but that's an that's a, that's a i would say it's a profound observation to say that that's their that's their way of um relating is that kind of what i was getting like they're kind of trying to relate to you and keep that connection to to, to you when they're speaking well, they're trying, it sounds so, like they're trying so, to self-actualize unless i misunderstood uh, no, I, don't, I don't think so i don't no? think it's a self-actualization it's it's, it's it's a thread that binds um and I, and it goes to to more and more what Bitters was saying is is it's that moment when they realize that they're no longer relevant to your sphere of existence, mm-hmm. right? So I have lots of guys, all right. Because what do I what, what do they do? Well, I put the dog out for a crap. Uh, I dealt with my wife's shit. I drove my 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 daughter to university, and then I came back and I put the dog out for a shit, and then they came home <laughs> and they did nothing. So there's monotony. So where where is that relevance? The the prestige, the the excitement of whatever mm-hmm. chaos they're going through. Now they're a sedentary, you know, Mister Mom that looks after a dog that shits. There's no diapers, right? There's no none of that growth that comes with the fast turnaround, the learning, the intensity. It's like move, happen, realize a benefit. Execute, execute an effect, and there we go. Like there was a purpose. There's meaningful. There's no waste. It was there. And now you come back, and you're like, I took the dog. I put it up for a shit. It comes back in, and then I put it up for a shit again. It, like it, it, it's this, yeah. like that thread of what value you are as a human being may end when you end a career it all depends on that help it comes down to that mental hardness you're talking about um that that goes right in line with you know most statistically a lot of people who retire um a good percentage of people who retire end up developing some kind of uh medical or or medical problem or complication or something like that they start developing things like heart uh, heart disease or you know, some people get cancer. It's just like it, it's like it's almost like the stress of not being back in their old life, or the stress of not uh, of not being able to do things that uh, are, are meaningful to them. I don't know. Like I'm obviously spitballing here, but the stress of irrelevancy. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna redirect. COVID nineteen is making me want to retire. <laughs> Oh, I bet. I bet. I love living at home. Like, I'm gone 120-something days a year. I want to retire. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not hating. Um, I'm not hating being at home. I'm not hating it either. However, having two under two is not the ideal time for a pandemic to occur. <laughs> two, two under two. Good Lord. Yeah. What, yeah. what are you talking about, man? You actually get to bond with them. I do, and I do bond with them. However, if I could remove all the screaming parts, 
<laughs> that would be ideal. That would be ideal. I just want my yeah, cake like and eat it too. The pooping parts. It doesn't work. Yes. I just <laughs> want it, my cake and eat it too. Isn't that the joy of parenthood? Like, I wouldn't know. I think the closest thing I had to children are my cigars, but you know, I'm assuming that the no. screaming and the pooping is part of childhood. Isn't that the fun it, it, part? It is. It is a. It is a. It is definitely a part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would it's say like about seventy percent. <laughs> it's like an edited podcast. You sort of like you get used to it, so you just sort of glaze over it. So yeah. are you telling are you telling me that all those like carefully posed and uh, c- uh, constructed Facebook and Instagram posts about the joy of childhood aren't representative of the real the real thing? The most accurate thing that I've ever seen of about childhood and 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 parenting <clears throat> is a comic strip by. Matthew Inman uh, of the Oatmeal fame. Yes, you guys, you guys have heard of this. So the, it's a two-panel comic strip, and all it's in the, on the left-hand panel it says, "People who don't have kids who explain what they think having kids is like," and it so it shows it shows a couple of parents saying, "Oh, I haven't slept in three days," and it shows like a kid with like a little shit stain over there, and then it has another kid like barfing and another kid crying yeah. or whatever, right? And then the panel on the right says actual parents who are explaining what parenting is like and it says i haven't slept in three fucking years <laughs> and it's like shit is on the walls it's like a fucking jackson pollock painting all over the place and like it's like, toys are everywhere and nothing is clean and they got these bags under their eyes that are hanging down to their fucking adam's apples and it's just like that's 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 you're really, about, you're really selling it. it, man. You're really yeah. selling it. Yeah. It sounds like a parent who doesn't have degree <laughs> management. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it. Listen, uh, listen, I'll teach you one, one thing: the oldest manages the youngest. <laughs> well, is that why if you have two or three <laughs> after each other? Exactly. Okay. What do you think? I co- I have I have three siblings, man. You gotta learn this uh, shit. <laughs> okay, I get it now. Yeah, there you go. So if you have more than one, then it's sort of like a mini parent, the older or the oldest one becomes the mini parent. It's like it's like perpetual energy machine. <laughs> God. There it is. What you imagine your life will be like after having kids. I haven't slept in three fucking days and it just shows a couple of kids crying. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> one kid is has a diaper on, is literally <laughs> <laughs> projectile shitting and it's like going at Mach Schnell towards the wall. <laughs> Another kid is vomiting fire. <laughs> oh fuck. Yeah, that that's but here's the fun. And we wonder why we have a declining birth rate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talk a lot of shit about parenting on this podcast. And, okay, so here's the thing. Let's say that that's about 60 to 70%. When the kid smiles at you or when your son, um, you know, he, he actually he sat down on the potty and he actually went potty in the potty. And we were just, like, clapping. When you have little moments like that, it's just, like, all that other shit just washed away. Like, it just goes away pretty quick. Because then you sit there, it's like, holy shit. Like there's a little tiny human being there that basically came from my balls and and her thing, and and like they're just wow, this like, got graphic really fast. They're, wow, they're, they're basically, no, but that's the thing. Like they just 
they show up and all of a sudden you can see the wheels turning and they're fucking learning shit and they're actually like they're they're expressing yeah, I, themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I got great. stuck at like a really short wiener is shooting at like a, a really small white projectile into a small <laughs> gearbox. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> you know you get like a Tamaguchi, right? And it'll do all that, but it won't shit all over you. Tamaguchi. <laughs> you know? Like I said, I'm 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 the I'm I'm the crusty I'm the crusty millennial who doesn't have kids and is scared of them, so Mm, yeah, well, you haven't you haven't met Cognac yet. Just, just, just he's got, he's got 30, all right? kinds of names for them. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, turn, whiskey. Just, just wait till he turns thirty, and they and they come back after it asking for his pension. The only kids mm. you don't know of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all they're all great till they're still at home and they're twenty five. Yeah, they're setting up franchises. Wow. Um. I think uh, that's probably a good place to end today eh? because we've been going for quite a while. I suppose anything yeah, else that we, yeah, we anything else that we can, uh, if we want to add, we can do in a wee dram or whatever. Anyway, uh, whiskey, you want to summarize? <laughs> Holy crap! Did we talk about that shit? <laughs> I usually like the top four. Uh, you're you're the best at summarizing. <laughs> guys, the world is shit. Uh, kids will shit on you. You will shit yourself. Uh, healthcare professionals are there to help you deal with your shit. So don't shit on them. They're there to help you. Don't spit on gas pumps. Don't lick doorknobs. Um, be a good person. Like like it take it costs you nothing. Kindness is free. Um. And you know what? When you look back on what you did during the pandemic, don't live with regret. Because if you're an asshole to someone who's just trying to irk out a living to put uh, food on the table for their kids, and you went and spit in their face for trying to do that, you are the asshole, and you are the shit that no one wants. So deal with your mental illness, get help, and... And put your fucking shopping cart back. Go <laughs> <Don't> fuck yourself. <laughs> and I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox, and I'd like to thank Bitters for coming on. Uh, you think you'll return? Uh, that's the most fun I've had in a very long time. So anytime you guys want me back to, to talk shit, I'm, I'm more than happy to. I'll be more prepared Definitely. for next time, and I won't say any uh, naughty, naughty words. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Bitters. It was great having you. That was a lot of fun. See you next week. I feel depressed. I feel so bad. Cause you're the best girl that I've ever had. I can't get your love. I can't get affection. You know, I thought about using Helter Skelter by the Beatles, but I've already used the Beatles track on this podcast, so instead you're getting one of the first acid-slash-psychedelic rock tunes ever recorded. The track you're currently hearing is the 1966 tune Psychotic Reaction by the American garage rock band Count Five. 
I don't really have much else to say about it other than that it's got a cool tempo change and the use of the guitar increasing chromatically upwards was a nice addition to set this tune apart from others. Kind of changes the character and gives the song that flavor from its namesake. But then again, it was the 60s and everyone was experimenting with all kinds of shit. Anyway, don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook. The link, the link, blah, it's hard to say words tonight. The link is in the description. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Oh, little girl, where's the ladder? Did the right one?